And that's saying something when you talk about one verse being that profound. But it's uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. And I think it's profound because it relates to each one of our experiences as Christians in our walk with God. Because this life is tough. There are many, many challenges that all of us go through. And this verse, and we're going to sort of uh, break it down a little bit here this morning, this verse is a promise for each one of us that we will have the strength it requires in order for us to live this life in a way that is pleasing to God. I'm going to read it to you. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, this isn't my favorite translation because actually the word translated him here in the Greek is Christos. So it really should read, I can do all this or all things through Christ who gives me strength. So whatever I am facing, whatever my circumstance, situation, I can do it. I can get it done because Christ has infused me with His power. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit this morning. I want to read something to you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, God is love. And there was a farmer who had a weather vane on his barn, and on it was written, God is love. And when friends asked him why, the farmer replied, This is to remind me that no matter which way the wind blows, God is love. When the warm southern wind with its soothing and balmy breezes brings showers of blessings, God is love. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, James 1.17. And when the cold north wind of trial and testing sweeps down upon you, God is love. All things work together for good to those who love God. Romans 8.28 And when the west wind blows hard upon you with its punishing intent, God is love. Whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. Hebrews 12.6 And when the east wind threatens to sweep away all that you have, God is love. For God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory. In Christ Jesus, Philippians 4.19. So wherever you find yourself, whatever direction the wind might be blowing in your life, God is love. And He is faithful. He never changes. I want to read Philippians 4.13 out of the Amplified Version. It says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength to me. I am sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. So that's pretty strong language. That I have the power infused into me through Christ to accomplish whatever task he has set before me. Now, That said, there is some caveat here, isn't there? Because the first part of that verse, I can do, involves us taking action, doesn't it? It's not just sitting around, 
hoping for the best, but I can do. It involves us stepping out in faith and trusting that God is going to give me the strength to accomplish the task that is set before me. Here's an important thing for us to remember. I want to read out of John chapter 15, the first 11 verses. Because one of the things that we have looked at in studying the book of Philippians is the fact that we can know joy. In fact, we ought to, as Christians, know joy. In everything, in all circumstances, we have a connection with God that allows us to experience joy. And this is why. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain or abide in me as I also remain and abide in you. For no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain or abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the counterpoint here in John 15.5 to Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But here Jesus says that apart from Him, if we are not abiding in Him, that we can do nothing of spiritual value. Nothing that will last into eternity. Jesus goes on to say, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. The weather vane. No matter which way the wind blows, Jesus loves you, as does the Father. And if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So all of this that Jesus has just told his disciples about the importance of abiding or remaining or continuing in him in order that we might produce fruit in our lives ultimately culminates in his joy being placed within us and our joy because of that attachment to him being made full. So this directly ties in to Philippians and specifically to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the reason we can do all things is because we abide in him. Very clearly there, Jesus tells his disciples that if you're not abiding in me, if there's any branch that is removed from me, it's good for one thing to be bundled together and thrown into the fire and burned up. But 
If you remain in me, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatsoever you will, and it will be done for you. It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. It's his intention that your life be fruit-producing. He's the originator of a partnership that involves us. And that is a wonderful truth that you and me, each of us, are partners with God in producing fruit for the kingdom of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world. So, how do we abide? How do we remain in Jesus? Well, I want to read a passage of Scripture out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Some of you probably have memorized 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But I'm just going to read the last verse in the chapter because it speaks of abiding. It speaks of remaining in in, in God's uh, presence. And, And this is what it says. It says, Now, these three remain or abide, or endure. These three. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So these three remain, or abide, or endure. And we are to abide, or remain, in Christ, in the vine. In order that we might truly claim Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Because here's the deal. I want to I read a few illustrations for you out of, of the Scriptures of people who started out well, who began a walk with Christ, but did not continue or abide or remain in Him to disastrous results. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, a man named Demas, who was a close associate of the Apostle Paul. In other sections of Scripture, Paul speaks of Demas as a person who is closely working with him in ministry. But here, in writing to Timothy, Paul says this, For Demas has forsaken me. Why? Having loved this present world. So if we don't abide in Christ, in the vine, we can very easily, as Demas did, begin to love the world more so than we love Jesus. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 15, Paul is in prison and he's writing to Timothy about his condition. And the fact is that all of the people who used to associate with Paul after he became a prisoner disassociated themselves from him because they were fearful of persecution. Paul was in Caesar's prison. And for them to associate with Paul might make them vulnerable to that same kind of persecution. This you know. Paul writes to Timothy that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. 
So these two men, many people had turned away, but for some reason, Paul spoke of these two men having turned away from him. No doubt they were close associates of Paul in the ministry of the gospel. But because of their fear of persecution, they turned away from him. Paul talks about the danger of heresy and those within the church succumbing to heretical teaching. And he says that their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth. So at one time, they were in the truth. At one time, they were walking in the faith. But they strayed from it, saying that the resurrection had already occurred, and as a result, they had overthrown the faith of some. And Paul, concluding his first letter to Timothy, said to Timothy, Timothy, guard or defend what has been committed to your trust. Avoid the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. So you see in all of these illustrations that there is a danger. There is a challenge that each one of us must confront. And that challenge is to, as Jesus said, abide in him and as a result produce fruit through our lives for the benefit of the world around us. There is a danger. People who were closely associated with the great apostle, people no doubt who had touched his heart, abandoned him, got caught up in heretical teaching, strayed from the faith, and in some instances even abandoned the faith. Why? Because they were not abiding. They were not in that abiding relationship. Faith, hope, and love. And this is the simplest way I can put it to you. Faith, hope, and love. In a practical way to challenge you and exhort you in these, these last days to have a life of purpose and of meaning. To commit your, your life to him, not only for salvation, but for mission within the world. Now that's going to look different for different people. But it, it, the, the starting point is the same. We trust in him for our salvation, and then we commit our lives to mission in his name. To make our lives purposeful, significant, of eternal value. Faith. Faith, John writes in his epistle, is what we overcome the world by. All the stuff that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, all of those things, we overcome them through our faith in Christ, through our trust and belief in him. Now, how do you develop your faith? How do you increase your faith? How do you grow in your faith? Well, the word is very clear. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 
When the Word of God is preached to you, proclaimed to you, when you open this book and you begin to study the words on the pages before you, your faith increases. You grow in your trust of what God can do and who He is. See, here's the deal. Peter writes that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What is your question? What do you need an answer to? It's found here. If it relates to life and godliness, this book has the answer, and it will give you the faith to stand upon. Paul wrote to the Colossians, let the word of God dwell in you richly. David, the psalmist, writes in Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way pure and keep from falling into sin? And then he answers the question by hiding your word in his heart. Your word, David said, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So Faith abides. And when we grow in faith, we grow in trust in Jesus and we remain in Him, attached to Him. Hope abides. And hope, the apostle said, does not disappoint. I want to read this passage of Scripture to you out of Romans chapter 5. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Here comes the the tough stuff. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope, and hope does not disappoint. What is hope? What is hope? Hope is something that we look forward to, that we anticipate. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, the apostle says, and that gives us hope. For the future, an assurance that what lies ahead for us is vastly better than what we are experiencing today. Your future in Christ, as the song we sang this morning, extends far beyond our ability to even imagine it. What God has in store for you and for me in eternity in his presence is so wonderful, so fabulous, so incredibly amazing. Our minds are too puny to really grasp it. But the hope of God that has been placed in our heart understands that it lies ahead, understands that it is there. You have a hope. Now, I don't care what challenge you are going through in your life, and I know that many of you are going through difficult things, hard things in your life. But when you possess hope, and the hope really is the Holy Spirit in you, 
It says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it is Christ in us or the spirit of Christ in us that is the hope of glory, the assurance that we are going to spend eternity with him and that he is with us every step of our lives. He will never leave us or forsake us. That what lies ahead, as I said, is infinitely better than what we are experiencing now. And the struggle that we are experiencing now is absolutely worth, as Paul wrote to the Romans, the difficulty because the payoff is amazing. So you abide in that hope. You remain in that hope. You tether yourself to the love of God through hope. But the greatest of these three, Paul said, is love. And that is because the power of God is founded in the love of God. We often talk about the power of God. In fact, Paul writes about that. He wanted to know the power of his resurrection. And we read through the Gospels and we see the miraculous things that Jesus accomplished. And we say, wow, the power of God at work. And indeed it was. But that power, my friends, was founded in the love of God. And when we abide in God, when we abide in Jesus, we abide in his love. We express our lives, effuse the love of God. In fact, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.14 that it is the love of God that compels us, that presses us into motion. The word there, compels, is a, a word that can actually describe the banks of a river. And the powerful water is flowing, but it is the banks that guide and direct the river. That's what the love of God is for us. It is the banks guiding the power of God in our lives. We express the love of God to those who don't deserve the love of God because God loved us and we did not deserve it. Listen to what John writes in his first epistle. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, is that you? Raise your hand if you confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. Okay, then the rest of this verse is for you if you raised your hand. God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. I got to repeat that because that is profound. As he is, God, Jesus, so are you in this world. Because you abide in God. And you abide in his love. And that power that emanates from the love of God emanates from you. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. And he who it fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Now, if someone says, I love God, 
but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So the best testing of God's love, Paul or John asserts here, is found in our relationship with one another. If we love God, then we will love one another. And the power that God's love expresses will be expressed in genuine acts of charity one to another. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As I remain in that abiding relationship with Christ, there is no circumstance, no situation, no challenge that confronts me that will overwhelm me. Now, that's easy for me to say standing up here. It's quite another thing out there, isn't it? And that's why we need one another. That's why we need to Love one another. But the promise remains absolutely unwavering. You can do all things. How? Through your abiding relationship with Christ. Through faith. Through hope. And ultimately through love. We want to be a people who are in the word, not of the world. We want to be a people who are filled with his Holy Spirit. Not who are fallen in sin for a season. We want to be a people who live out the truth of the gospel, but are not trapped in the temporary pursuits of this world. I want to sing a song for you here this morning, and uh, it's going to conclude my message. And it's a song called All Things.